Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm Brendan Marcel, sitting across from Michael Nizelik. As always, this Auburn Undercover Podcast is brought to you by WeHaveDonuts.com, D-O-U-G-H, Nuts.com. Located in Birmingham, find them in coffee shops around there. Go to their website for delivery information and how you can subscribe to their beautiful box of donuts uh, and get them delivered. Um, also, they're available for delivery at Prevail Union Coffee Shops in Montgomery and Auburn. Check them out at wehavedonuts.com. Uh, Mike, it was a busy Friday and Saturday uh, for Auburn, but all away from Auburn uh, in the state of Texas, uh, we found out late Friday afternoon as we were traveling, or actually just finished traveling, that Jay Jacobs was uh, going to step aside as athletics director. Finally, an announcement had uh, come. Uh, he will step aside at the latest, June 1st, 2018, but most likely much sooner. Uh, he says he will step aside whenever a new successor is hired. Uh, and so that saga and that era, 13 years for Jay Jacobs, uh, coming to an end and coming to an end quickly, most likely based off of what we're hearing. And then, of course, the Auburn football team went on the field Saturday and beat Texas A&M 42-27 to to set up a big uh, month of November. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit on the podcast as well. But, Mike, just your what's your general thoughts on uh, Jay Jacobs finally, I guess, announcing, stepping aside uh, as the athletics director? Definitely not his decision, but one that had to be uh, announced and be made considering just how hot the water had gotten uh, around campus and for this fan base, it was really, really, really mad. Well, I think it, you know, not everybody's as plugged into this as, as most fans are, or diehard fans are. And so this gets him, allows him to save face, I think, generally. Uh, he gets to kind of do it on his own terms, even though um, he was pushed before he jumped, essentially. Um, he gets to kind of say, look, I'm stepping down um, and avoid kind of being, you know, escorted off the property, uh, essentially. Um but, I mean, at the timing, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It was a Friday after 5 o'clock and all the reporters are on the road. Um, so there was some sort of, you know, some sense in that. But, uh, I mean, expected, really no surprise. I mean, I think everybody was just kind of waiting for uh, when that shoe would drop, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that uh, there will be a replacement uh, in the athletics department leading the program before uh, the first of the year. I think they've got to get someone in, in place. And it allows them to avoid an interim tag, which I think they wanted to avoid anyway. All from the beginning, that, that was the word from Stephen Leith's office, um, uh, not necessarily from them, but from people we've talked to, that they did not want to have an interim athletics director, and they're not going to have that now. Um, but Jay Jacobs really trying to stay out of the spotlight, really he's been doing that all fall since the softball investigation was going on and the news there broke and then even after his announcement uh to fans in a in a letter that was sent to donors and and boosters um he was hard to talk to he initially declined comment uh saturday when he was spotted at the texas a&m game but a couple of reporters including myself talked to him i know a tv station talked to him uh, out of birmingham for a little bit um he didn't really have much to say, didn't want to say too much. 
just said that uh, he believes President Stephen Leith is a great leader and Auburn's athletics department will be in good hands because he believes that a good hire will be made and he'll be willing to help. But as it stands, I think Jay Jacobs uh, is obviously resigned to the fact that his days are numbered, they're over, and I think he just wants to go home and reevaluate some things and see what he does next with his life because uh, obviously things are pretty toxic. And as he said, with him, quote-unquote, resigning at this juncture like this, gives him some good graces. I know some people are reaching out to him and wishing him well, and even fans that were kind of very much against him are even being nice to him right now. So there will be like a Jay Jacobs farewell tour here for another month or two, and then the uh, new era will begin. Where Auburn goes from there, uh, hiring-wise, really is anybody's guess. Uh, I'll say that right now. Stephen Leith obviously doesn't have a lot of connections uh, to people here at Auburn. It's very, very possible he will go outside the family tree and hire someone that doesn't necessarily have deep ties to Auburn. Now, that doesn't mean he will not hire someone with ties to Auburn, like uh, Michelle McKenna-Doyle, who's a CIO for the NFL, uh, an Auburn graduate, but definitely isn't in the quote-unquote good old boy system, as some people would like to call it. Um but that's something to keep an eye on. But I definitely believe that uh, I would probably say that uh, I would go with the field over any candidates list you're seeing right now. Mm. Um, I, I believe that he'll probably go out and get someone that obviously meshes well with what he believes an athletics department should have. But also, um, I think he wants to get a big name or at least a splashy hire, someone that he believes will provide strong leadership and a kind of reinvigorate things here and, uh, you know, provide a different approach, which I'm sure Auburn fans will be happy to hear about. But um, I would be very interested to hear Stephen Leith say that himself and, uh, you know, come out and say, maybe do an interview and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for in an athletics director. But he hasn't done that, and I'm not sure he will. In fact, we were talking about this on Facebook Live earlier, Mike, I don't. I don't believe he'll speak to the media, really, in a grand scale, until the athletics director is hired and he's at the press conference. Yeah, I mean that would make some sense, but at the same time, I mean, I mean, I'd let you know. This athletic department administration has a way of doing things, uh, and they like to do things away uh, privately and not answer for anything. And I think that needs to change a little bit. And I think it needs to be some transparency. Steve, Stephen Leith is at the top of that chain now. And I think it's, he, he sets the tone and if he's afraid to kind of answer some tough questions, and I think there's some tough questions to be asked here about this department going forward, that sets the tone for that kind of continuing a little bit. And maybe the new AD hire will reverse that or, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I think that, Given what's happened and given some of the stuff, the things that they've tried to sweep under the rug here, um, it's time to sort of have a little more sunshine, don't you think? Sunshine. Sunshine pumping. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they do need that. They need some positivity. Um, but having said that, Stephen Leith has his own checkered past at Iowa State, uh, dealing with airplane and personal travel with a private plane and all that and um, he wasn't necessarily seemingly forthcoming with that, it seemed, uh, at first. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it, you know, who does who, who has Stephen Leith's ear? That's the question. Yeah. 
Who's he listening to during this? Is he going outside of Auburn and speaking to people in the, his profession that he knows, athletics directors and other administrators? Uh, we don't know, but it would be nice to talk to him, and I just don't see that happening. seems like Stephen Leith is a guy who shies away from the media spotlight because, well, he didn't have a positive experience yeah, with that Iowa problem, State. Yeah. Uh, but, and, you know, what's interesting, I mean, you know, you talk about – what happens next? Gus and Bruce Pearl will be yeah. keeping an eye on this situation. I mean, they're the high-profile names, um, but I mean, they're the kind of their their future. I think is wrapped up in this hire as well, uh, especially uh, <laughs> their immediate future. What happens kind of in the next couple of months? I think I think Bruce Pearl's future is more tied up in who the new AD is yeah. than Gus Malzahn. I think where Gus Malzahn. It's just going to be simple matter of wins and losses. But he's a relationship guy, and if he's not very comfortable with the person they bring have, in, he doesn't have much of a relationship with Jay Jacobs, right? But now. I'm saying if he it's somebody he doesn't like or somebody doesn't he doesn't kind of get, he might look like you've said. You know, you've talked about how he might push to kind of see what's out there, and that could be another it's possibly yeah. another sort of reason to look. Um, but Bruce, I think specifically. Um, is there going to be – is somebody going to have an attachment to him or this school and say, well, we can give him some time? Or is somebody else going to say, we should start over? You know, um, I think he's certainly going to have to keep an eye on what happens here. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of rumors going around about Bruce Pearl. Nothing substantiated, of course. I know, heck, we're in the airport uh, Sunday morning flying back from Houston. Someone's asking me, hey, what's going on with Bruce Pearl? I heard some rumors. I'm like, yeah, I I haven't heard that from anybody, and Mike, you haven't. So, mm. I, you know, I don't know what to say there, but it's going to continue to be that way. And especially, I mean, listen, we'll speak about this briefly right now, I guess. I mean, Auburn lost an ex. It's an exhibition game. Some people say it doesn't matter where, but Auburn lost to a Division two team, Barry right. University. Which doesn't even sound like a real team. It does Every time I say it, it Their mascot's a parrot with a pirate hat. <laughs> and is, absolutely, that is true. I think the most damning thing for Auburn in that game is they allowed 84 points in regulation to a Division two team. It's not that Auburn lost. Of course, that's really bad. But it's the fact that what tr- plagued them last season is plaguing them even now in an exhibition game. Defense, that's effort. That's coaching. Well, and then you've got the problem is Mustafa Harris, who's your best offensive option by far, is also probably one of the worst defenders on the team. So how do you sort of balance that? And the problem is is they they spent this whole month acting as if nothing was wrong. And, I mean, Austin Wiley sat out because of injuries, but Daniel Purfoy – I was basically in the lineup, you know, working as if they were going to play him. And now, you know, you're not. And so they didn't test a lot out. They didn't try a lot of different things um, without him kind of around. The last couple of days they did. Um, But now they've really kind of got to look at what they have and figure this thing out because, man, did they look bad. Um, Even offensively, I mean, they scored a lot of points, but it wasn't – there was no consistency on that end of the floor. And um, it's going to be a long season because, you know, the guys are out indefinitely and indefinitely could mean – a long Forever, time. yeah. I mean, uh, I you don't see a real end in this scenario. This yeah, we'll it, see. And uh, and in sight. Um, but they open the season uh, Friday or Friday, right? Friday against Norfolk State. Uh, lose that game, boy. That'd be bad. 
Uh, the SEC schedule is going to be tough. But they have to get there first, and they can't afford a lot of bad losses because it's no, they're going to take no. some lumps in the SEC schedule. And I think everybody expects that, but um, they got to they got to string some things together here. So you're saying this is an NCAA tournament team right now? Oh no, no way. Yeah, no way. It's an NIT team. No. no. Yeah. Because um, I mean, the other downside is the SEC is stronger this year. I mean, at least that's all the coaches say. So if that's true, and Auburn lost their two, two, two of their three best players, they're at a significant disadvantage. And if there's eight teams or seven teams that are going to make the tournament, they're all better than Auburn. And then a couple kind of on the on the bubble, um, it's they're in a tough spot. They're in yeah. a tough spot. Um, so moving forward, football. Auburn comes off that 42-27 to victory against Texas A&M. We've written about it quite a bit, so we won't really rehash what happened in that game. But the, the big talk this week's Georgia. I mean, it's the biggest game, I believe, for Auburn since 2013, uh, at least here at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And uh, they are – Your phone is, like, uh, apparently out of his mind of his own. Uh, my phone just brought up Siri. Um, but I, I believe that um, – this Georgia game is the biggest game since 2013, since the kick six game against Alabama. Number one, Georgia. Georgia, number one in the college football playoff rankings. Heading into Tuesday, Tuesday the rankings will be refreshed, so to speak. We'll see if Georgia's still number one. I bet they are. But, um, you know, the question is, is, does Auburn have a chance? Auburn can get to the SEC championship game. Heck, they can get in the playoff if they win out. But Auburn's got to play number one, Georgia, number two, Alabama, um, for right now, and if they beat number one Georgia, Alabama will probably be number one when they come to town right. uh, at Jordan-Air Stadium uh, two weeks later. Uh, tough task, but I kind of have a good feeling about it for whatever reason that Auburn can pull this out. Georgia is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite as of this hour uh, here at Auburn. Um there is some thinking there that Georgia will finally fall this season after starting eight and zero for the first time in thirty plus years. What are you? What are your initial thoughts on this? I'm on the other way. I mean, I don't have any faith that uh, in this coaching staff, the way that these big games have gone, that um, things are going to go smoothly. I mean, I've seen the way that they've played Georgia the last two years, two years ago in Jordan Hare Stadium. Jordan here stadium and um I still can't say it you and, also said uh, malzone earlier tonight malzonio and uh um they should have won both of those games handily and they lost so i don't see why top team uh in the country georgia's playing very 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 well um firing kind of on all cylinders coming here um i don't know i don't i don't what's different what's going to be different Great question. I mean, like you said, Clemson, LSU. Your your number one thing, it's obviously is the coaching, yeah. and you've got a point there. And I, I think that's you know that's what ultimately everything lies lies at the feet of. And uh, with Gus Malzahn, he has not done well in the big game since really since the Ole Miss game in 2014. Because yeah. right after that, they lost to Texas A&M the next week, and everything's yeah. been downhill since. You know, Auburn's still looking for that victory against a top ten team. You know? And these losses follow just almost the exact same pattern where in the second half the team just sort of falls apart offensively. and It's all about adjustments. And um, what is going on? Outside uh, of that one Clemson game where they used six quarterbacks and the whole thing was a disaster from the start. Uh, you know, Auburn goes 
uh, into this game, obviously with some confidence and with the belief that they have turned around things in the second half after putting the pedal to the metal against Arkansas and against Texas A&M in the second half of those games. Carry um, on Johnson spoke uh, pretty uh, enthusiastically about how uh, they do not want any more second half collapses and the team has put that on themselves. And that's what you saw. Uh, the result of that was at Texas A&M when they came out and just was on fire and put Texas A&M, A&M away, put Arkansas away two weeks earlier. Um, but can they do it against an elite team? You know, that's I mean, they can feast on the bottom. I mean, look, right. None of these teams have been very good. I mean, Mississippi State and Texas A&M are their two best wins. And what, who who did Mississippi State struggle with? Rutgers this, or UMass this weekend? UMass, yeah. Um, and Texas A&M, I mean, Kellerman's not ready for prime time yet. Um, maybe he gets there, but yipes. Um, so they're still looking for that signature win. Yeah. Any yeah. signature win. Yep. You know, it's uh, interesting. Auburn's averaging 36.9 points per game, which is second in the SEC. Of course, that Clemson game brings that average down quite a bit. Then when you factor in, if you're just counting SEC games, Auburn's averaging 43.5 points per game Mm -hmm. in the SEC, second only to Alabama, which is averaging 43.7 points per game in the SEC. And the top three teams scoring-wise are Alabama, Auburn, then Georgia. Then after that, it's a steep drop-off, nine points uh, between Georgia and the next team, which is Ole Miss, believe it or not. Um, So uh, the Georgia game is obviously going to come down to defense for Auburn. And whether the offense, if they do struggle, can adjust. The coaches can adjust and figure something out. Uh, to attack Georgia a different way. And like you said, you know, there's history to show that there's not a lot of belief in the coaching staff to do that. And ultimately, that is something that will lead to a coaching change if they were to lose to Georgia and Alabama. If it's something as plain as there is a pattern here, you did the same thing again, you lost in the same certain way, you're obviously not going to change. It's time for a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way to do that is to hire a new coach. So, um, obviously, the, the next three weeks are the biggest ever for Gus Malzahn in his entire career. And uh, and they put themselves in a hole. I mean, this might not have been make or break if they had won that LSU game. If they had beaten LSU, I mean, goodness, they're uh, a one-loss team that's in the, near the top five right now. Yeah, I mean, and they had a twenty-point lead in that game. Let's not forget twenty to nothing. <laughs> and so they would not that. just no. Listen, not just a twenty-point lead, yeah. but they were dominating and probably had a shot to beat, like blow the doors off them. You know, probably true. I, I mean, really, seriously. No, yeah, absolutely. And they'd let them creep back in. Anyway, um, we've talked about that game a lot, but you know, like like you said, until the coaches prove that they can break out of this rut. But do it against a top ten team. Mm-hmm. Those coaches, those coaches, and their their questions surrounding those coaches will remain, and the coaches might not remain. Excuse me, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's certainly. I mean, that's going to be the topic this week, the entire week, I think uh, so. from the national media, the local media as well. I mean, we'll certainly ask it Tuesday, Gus. What's going to be different? You keep saying every year is different. 
but what is different about this Auburn team compared to your previous ones that have lost to Georgia in each of the last three years? And he won't answer. Well, he won't answer it directly, of course. The difference, though, is not the coaching. It's they got a quarterback. They do, but, I mean, if you don't run the right plays, I mean, you sh- they, they've shown they could neutralize their quarterback, their own quarterback. Right. Well, with play calling and yeah, I mean, all that. You know, it was an interesting thing made, uh, pointed out uh, by a fellow beat writer. <laughs> you know, against Texas A&M, Auburn was doing well in the second half, but they went back to running the ball a lot on first down. They did. They went like double digits on first downs running the ball uh, in the second half. So just because it's working doesn't mean it's the right calls. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. Um, and it's exactly what they did at LSU, and it didn't work. And something, that was a good well, I, and I, I think fans have pointed this out, and, and frustratingly so. Can Carry on Johnson keep this pace up with the amount of work he's getting? And, it's and a great question. That's a legitimate it's a great question. I think it's a legitimate question. Um, and, and say what you will about them using the other running backs or whatever. I mean, it's just can he physically handle it? Because uh, this is, like I said, on Facebook Live, uncharted territory for him in terms of how much he's been used, and he's getting hit. he's getting beat up. I mean, look, he's bounced off tackles and 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 playing well, but I mean, I think you talked to him and he said he was he was feeling it. And uh, yeah, he, this Georgia team's probably the best defense they've faced. You know, Clemson's right up there too. But um, he's going to get hit and hit good. Can he carry it thirty five times and be effective against this defense? It's, this isn't Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Missouri. I mean, this is. It's going to be tough. And uh, how effective can he be if he's not just only your feature back, but you're basically your option A, B, C, and D? Yes. But to be quite honest, I mean, listen, I don't think the coaches are voluntarily going to put Cam Martin in for an extended period of time. But if Carrion Johnson were to get injured, they'd have no – uh, alternative. Just, my point is more not that like look. And Cam Martin could be successful. Cam Martin, but I, I think Cam Martin can be successful. But it's more just they're going to probably go to Cam uh, carry on Johnson thirty five times. And how effective can he be against a defense that's going to hit him hard? Yeah. After having carried the most carries he's had in his entire career, he's had right. more carries in the last six weeks than he's had his entire career. Yeah, I'll say this: I think that uh, Auburn going into this Georgia game, if they can protect Jarrett Stidham, they're going to attack them down the field. Uh, I think they're going to throw the ball early. At least they should uh, if you're game planning for this Georgia team. Yeah. Uh, defensively for Auburn, I think Auburn's just got to stop Nick Chubb. And if they do that, that makes freshman Jake Fromm, their quarterback who's done very well, obviously, in a really tough road atmosphere, the toughest they've faced since being at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's, what, number three in the nation right now mm-hmm. uh, that they've faced on the road. So, um, and that could be a big factor going into this this atmosphere because it'll be rowdy. It'll be, I know it's 2.30 p.m. on CBS. It's not going to be a night game, but it's going to be packed and people are going to be rowdy. Um, but it will be interesting to see how the fans react at the, the moment if something t- goes south for Auburn and they, and fans go, yeah, oh, no, here we go again. again yeah. Uh, but I'm expecting a back and forth game. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a bit of a slugfest yeah. too. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing is that uh, Auburn two years ago 
lost on a special teams play. Punt return. Essentially, not like at the buzzer, but just that that was the kind of the only play that really mattered. Um, and they're struggling a little bit. Uh, I mean, they had the blocked uh, punt, but um, allowed two blocked field goals, allowed another big kick return. And they've been allowing big returns last three games, uh, two for yeah. touchdowns. Uh, is this a concern? I mean, one of the worst oh, yeah, coverage teams so. right now in the they country. Kickoff. Because uh, um, going into the bye week, they said this is a big concern for us, and we're going to focus on it. Fix it. And then they and allowed a seventy-two better, yard. They're using more veteran personnel, and it still didn't right. make a difference. And then they allowed a 70, 72 yard return late against Texas A and M, and it set up a touchdown. Um, yeah. That's a huge concern. This is the worst he's ever been in his kind of coaching. Georgia career. Yeah. historically, and I haven't looked at the numbers yet. Historically, have been good on special teams. And again, um, a game like this where you know your defense is going to defenses yeah, are going to give it to you. back and forth. Yeah, special teams a, can win the game, and I special teams is what turned the corner in the Texas A and M game right yeah. before half. The block punt for Auburn. LSU used to return too. Right. So, yeah. Big. Something, something just to watch. I mean, maybe Definitely. it doesn't matter, but I mean, look, it, when you're, it's a low scoring game, and that could be the difference because you put your defense in a bad situation like that. You can't. It's not easy to just hold right there if they put them on the twenty yard line. Texas A&M scored off that that point, that uh, return. All right, we'll have predictions later this week on the game. Uh, Auburn Georgia, Deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, only I believe what is it? The fourth time these teams have met, both in the top ten. Hmm. Auburn's won the previous three. Uh, 71, 83, and 2004. Auburn won all those games. Uh, anyway. every, no, come on. Every week's different. Every year's different. Every decade's different. Every team's different. different. <laughs> every, every snowflake's different. Every whatever, whatever, whatever. Who are you calling a snowflake? You. Uh, all right, let's go to listener questions. First up is Austin Ormsby. He asks, are we having too much fun on this podcast? Yeah, we shouldn't laugh or smile. How important is the atmosphere in Jordan Hare Stadium this football game? I think it's absolutely huge. As I mentioned earlier with the freshman quarterback uh, for Georgia. Well, look, it makes a difference when it's an 11 a.m. game and there nobody shows up to your stadium. Um, but Texas I don't think that'll A&M. be an issue. Um, or any time in Missouri. So um, yeah. it's going to be packed and it, it should make a difference. Jared asks a question that does not have a... F- finished sentence gus had a mini play call sheet laminated what do so if it's not laminated does that make the key difference is the lamination the key here if it's not laminated he's not calling plays if it's laminated he's he's calling plays what are we saying i don't know uh nickname asks why did herbie and reese uh from espn and it's a screenshot laugh this hard when Galloway said a two loss SEC West team could make the college football playoff. I don't know. I don't I'm not those people. I didn't see the scene and I don't question watch and ESPN very much. Maybe they thought it was that. funny. I did just sure. Maybe it was some inside joke. Yeah. Hayden asks, have you ever felt the Texas A and M press box shake? Yes. What's that like? Two years ago. It was weird. Yeah. I felt And that it's really high up, so it's sort of I felt it four years ago in the uh, old press box, and that thing, you literally felt like you were, uh, like, you might fall off the edge of the stadium, like the press box might just crumble down. Yeah, that's crazy. But that was not anywhere close to being a problem on Saturday. No, you could barely feel anything um, at all. 
Uh, I barely felt anything at at all. AU43 asks, what's happening with Marquise McClain? He was in most of the spring highlights. Well, spring's different. And as we've seen in the past, if you're a spring MVP for Auburn, mm-hmm. it probably means you're not going to do well in the fall. At Paging, least that's what Paul history Paul James III is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, Paul James III. Who was the receiver uh, Justin that didn't Garrett. even make it the team? Didn't cut, didn't. He, he left the team before the season. Yeah, what was that guy? Miles Mar- Burton? Burton? Miles Burton? Burton? Something? I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, um, he. And listen, his spring highlight was with the third team offense. And wasn't it with the, the defensive line and the. Uh, or the, I think he's talking about like some of those videos they posted. He said spring. But anyway, um, listen, the end of the season's here. Marquise McLean has not emerged. He will not emerge. So there you go. He No, he has emerged as a blocker in goal line packages. There you go. Myron Burton Jr. Myron Burton Jr., that's a name to remember. Elisa Cummings asks, when does Nate Craig Myers get more involved in the offense? A lot of Nate Craig questions. Uh, he's certainly capable. I think that's more or less up to him than maybe the coaches. Do you feel bad about your Nate Craig Myers for MVP push? Yeah, listen, the here's the thing. Every time I predict something before the season is going to happen, it doesn't happen. But I'm just saying, is it is it right up there with one of your better predictions? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. I also picked this team to win 10 games this year. They have a chance still. But, you know. It's love. Well, you picked them to beat Clemson, and you picked them to beat Georgia. So And lose to Texas A&M. Did you really? Yeah. Right. Had them beating LSU. Yeah. And losing to uh, Texas A&M and losing to Alabama. Well, not great, Bob. Yeah, not good. So there you go. And your second your second MVP for the offense was Malik Miller. So over two. Wait, that I, he wasn't MVP. That was your two sleeper picks. For Sleepers. The, yeah, they're still sleeping. Yeah, they're sleeping. Malik Miller had a touchdown Saturday. He recovered a block he punt in the end zone. Fell on a ball. Well, you got to do what you got to do, and he, he did. did it. He did. Um, so there you go. Anything you want to talk about? We spent way too much time together this weekend, and I'm, yeah, I'm starting to hate your face. Brad does not like me, so um, we don't have to talk. Did you see Thor? I did not. I did not. You didn't see Thor. I'm going to hopefully this. Here, I'll week. give you a recap real no, quick. Don't, don't. <laughs> witty banter, witty banter, witty banter, forgettable fill-in. Oh, something happened mid-credits sequence. You're having too much fun. This is, this is not the time nor the place. Yeah, well. Yeah. Other than that, uh, we went to a video game store. We did. Brandon bought RoboCop 2, was it, for Game Boy? For the original Game Boy, Boy, yeah. You've got a mosquito coming at you. Cool. That's on the top of your head. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Just suck the blood out of the top of my head. I just want to slap your head right now. <laughs> it's literally on top of you. Get it. Get it. Did you hear it? Just hit my head. It's like really trying. Are, to go is after there really you. not a mosquito on my head? No, it's like myself? really going after you. Really? I wish we were on. Uh, wish the listeners could hear this. Hear it? Hear it. Right it. Now. It's on Wait, you. There it is. It's on you. I just hit it with the microphone. Get it. Now it's on the microphone. Kill that. Got it. All right. You're dead, Successful. mosquito. That was the most exciting moment of the podcast. We yet. should be more serious about things. Yeah. You just uh, did take a life. <laughs> But yeah, we went to the video game store. That's you fun. bought like original <laughs> Xbox games, which is original something Xbox. no one ever does. Well, uh, for our, our listeners, they are making those games, uh, waves of them every couple of months, compatible with the new Xbox. The Xbox One. So you can one. just put them in and uh, play them. So value will go up, and that's why I'm uh, getting some of those old <laughs> games. 
That's right. It's true. So you don't collect to collect. You collect to make money. No, no, no. I collect because eventually, I they once they get to a certain, I can't spend more than ten dollars on a video game. So once they get out of that <clears> price range, they're gone. So buy them now, and they're in my price range. Yeah, that's true. I got two kids. I mean, they need to eat, so can't be spending money on s- silly stuff. He just slammed his laptop closed. You broke the screen. No, I didn't. That's CBS property. You got your uh, new uh, iPhone. How the you iPhone X. It? Are we going to get an early review? It's still transferring stuff. <laughs> and the face recognition thing is crazy. It's very strange. What does it do? It's the only way to unlock the phone. See, it says unlock now because it saw my face. That is creepy. So does the phone cry every time it has to open up? <laughs> when it looks at my face? All right, see, look. Locked. Won't do anything. Could you turn that off, though? No. I don't think so. I don't know. Yes, you can. I don't know, but then. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. It didn't work. Hey, beautiful. Really fantastic. There we go. Boom. It didn't unlock. It unlocked right there. It's unlocked, and it showed uh, what's in there, and then you got to swipe up. And then you can see our faces on the podcast. That's don't fantastic. swipe right. Which Which one's the bad one on the dating apps? I don't know. See, I was trying to that was, are you trying corner to be you. Like see if you're up to contemporary no good. reference. Yeah, that's the thing. We're getting very old, and I, nothing's cool anymore to me. Anyway, I hear voices. We should probably go. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that was that was creepy. I just heard a voice around it. Um, the corner. Yeah, so we'll talk more about Thor hopefully later this week. Maybe it's big week. We need more football stories, Mike. I did more football stories today than you did, so you're uh, you're behind. How many do you do? Six or seven. Six or seven? Name them right now. Uh, I wrote about every single defensive lineman there is. <laughs> you did not do that. <laughs> no, Derek Brown, Jeff Holland, T.D. Moultrie. I uh, wrote a, poll, a story about the poll, the coach's poll. I uh, did a top ten and maybe five. So five. And you did three. Yeah. So Boom. But you are going to write about Darius Slayton every day this week. So. <laughs> Gil- Darius Slayton was good to talk to Sunday night. He was. He was. Well, more on Darius Slayton this week. <laughs> Look, Monday, go, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Darius go to DariusSlayton.com slash all and undercover. The honorary honorary <laughs> editor this week. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. He's our guest editor. Um, all the stories will be about him. Yeah. So you can know what he thinks about football, what he thinks about signing with Auburn, what he thinks about sliced bread. What he thinks about. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So much for this milk toast podcast. Too much fun. Too much fun. That'll do it. This has been the Auburn Undercover Podcast presented by WeHaveDonuts.com. Check them out. And then check us out at AuburnUndercover.com, Auburn.247Sports.com, across social media platforms at Auburn 24-7 Sports or Auburn at Auburn 24-7. And um, I like turtles.